so excited to tell you guys that this week, if you're watching this in real time, we start touring again. We got a five-day run. Uh, we're going to be this week on April 22nd, Cheyenne, Wyoming, April 23rd in Inman, Kansas, April 24th in Manhattan, Kansas, and April 25th in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I hope to see you guys at one or more of those shows, and if not, we're going to do, be doing more and more. We're going to be announcing these, and I'll continue to kind of talk about them on this program as they come in because we're just pumped to finally get back on the road and see you guys again. We're opening up meet and greets again, so you could find all of that information. Where do you get a meet and greet? How do you meet me? How do you talk to me? How can you ask me a question in person just like you would ask me on this podcast? You go to grangersmith.com. And right there at the very front page, as soon as you get there, it's going to say Meet Granger. Click on that or Tour, which I think is on the all very easy to find. Um, and more and more of these dates are going to be start to, to come out and be announced. Just cannot be more excited about it. Super excited about this episode, too, because I have a friend of mine. His name is Brandon Puffer. He is a, a, formal, a former major league pitcher slash current motivational speaker and he has just an amazing story you're going to see what this title is all about as we start talking about it you could see his journey where he went how he learned how he got better and some of his life in the major leagues and then we're going to answer with brandon your questions with if you have any questions for me ever Email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. We'll get to them with whatever guest I have. Today is Brandon. You're really lucky. For those of you that I answered questions today, you're lucky because Brandon is, uh, he comes from a really solid foundation of self-help and learning. And uh, it's how often you get your answers, your questions answered by a major league pitcher. So... (laughs) I've got I, I, my brain is so excited right now that we're touring too. So, all that together, welcome to the podcast, episode eighty. Yee yee. So several years ago, I was going every morning to Anytime Fitness, the gym, and there's this dude in there working out, big dude. For those of you that don't have video, you're not watching, Brandon's a big dude. He's a big, how, t- how big are you? How tall and, and wide I are you? I am 6'3", 270. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All muscle. All muscle. Yeah, right. No, for real. Yeah, you right. Are. So there's this dude in there, and he's like the, the extrovert of the gym, talks to everybody. I kind of always have my headphones in. And at one point, you know, we started talking, and you thought I was a fireman, I think, first. That's what you you asked. You said, were you a fireman? Yes, I did. I did. You had that fireman look, I guess, man. So every morning, we we became closer and closer, and then it took a step where we were friends outside of just the gym. You know, we became text buddies, we talked a lot, and you're just one of these guys, man, that, that, and it's the kind of guy I like to bring on this podcast because you have a well-thought-out, well-grounded answer to life's problems. Hmm. And you could, if I say, man, Puffer, I got, man, I got something I'm kind of dealing with, you could sit down with empathy, listen and give a, a, a very good, mature, manhood-type answer. And I love that. And I love that we have people on this podcast that listen that that have these endless questions that they email me. Yeah. And I love to be able to discuss them as if we're sitting around a campfire and just 
it's like it's me and you and then someone else and they go, man, can I, got, can I ask you guys a question? Something, you know, this relationship I'm in or this job I'm in right now or, or something with my mom, you know, whatever it might be. And we can go, man, man let me think about it. Without mm-hmm. notes, without preparation, we can dive into it. Wow, yeah. So I want to do that with you today with some questions that I found. And if anyone has a question, you could email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. Could be about anything. Could be music-related. Could be fun. Could be deep. Could be dark. Could whatever it might be. We're not afraid to get into it. But before we do that, something you were telling me in the gym when I first met you, some time would go by and you'd say, one of these days I want to tell you my, my story. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you my story. And we, I don't, we never officially did that Wow. in person. Right, right. But I did. At some point, I was like, you know, late at night, I was like, man, I want to like Wikipedia this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Just to find out if I could see what your story was. Yeah. And not that Wikipedia is a good reference for anything. <laughs> but I was blown away. Yeah. Pitcher in the major leagues, mm-hmm. which... The way I look at it in, in, in music terms, to to get a record deal, have a number one song, those are those are kind of the ways we we will rate each other in a lot of ways. Sure. Meaning that and it's not it's not always talent that does that. It's it's a lot of blessings that, yeah, that do that. But in sports, to play baseball, a lot of people play baseball. To be a pitcher, a smaller group do that to do it at a high level a smaller group to go into the minor leagues a tiny tiny group to go into the majors tiny of the tiny and then to actually start and have a successful career it's um it's a unicorn right it's almost impossible and that's you yeah that's you sitting next to a major league successful major league pitcher but you have a story Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that on, on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. But I wanted to, before we get into anything else, I wanted you, if you're comfortable, just getting into that story a little bit. Yeah. Yes. I'm 100% comfortable with that. Um, gosh, the biggest part of my story for me, shaping who I am now, is is the rock bottom, right? Right. Adversity is where we all kind of find out what we're made of find out what our foundation is and so man yeah super proud of of you know making it to the big leagues and having a career and i was just talking to ben out there he says he's a boston red sox fan and i didn't tell him but i have i won a world series ring with those guys and it's like Dude. some of the stuff that happened seems like and maybe you can relate to this granger it's like that's like another person out there like it doesn't even didn't yeah, even happen I to can. me you I know can. and so and, I, and i'm very proud of it and my family's proud of it but yeah my my story is Basically, that I felt like growing up, if I had one day in the big leagues, I mean, like a lot of kids, I just wanted to be a pro baseball player, man. I did, and that my life would be complete. That's kind of um, the way I like to share it with people. And um, gosh, I now look at it as kind of like a God shaped hole within me mm. that I was trying to fill with so much stuff. And I thought, man, one day in the big leagues, I'm, I'm, that's it. That's what I'm here for. Mm. I'm complete. And I just found out that wasn't the case. And uh, I had a lot of demons I was fighting off the field. So at what point did you realize that? So you made it to the bigs, mm-hmm. yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Was it, was it when you got called up? Did you get called up, right? Or did you go straight in? I did. I got, got drafted out of high school, mm-hmm. went to the minor leagues. And when I got drafted, I thought, hey, I've kind of, is this it? And I was like, no, no yeah. this isn't it. Well, I'll just keep working and go to the big leagues. Okay. And then I did. In um, April of 2002, I was playing AAA ball in New Orleans for the Astros and um, got called out to the big leagues. What was that like? Was it a phone call? No. Manager called me in the office after the okay. game. It's one of those. Hey, just, manager needs to see an office type deal. Yeah. And it's either, hey, we're firing you or, right. or it's good. So this one was good. And uh, it was, a, it was hey, you're, you're joining the big club in Cincinnati tomorrow. Um it took me a while. I was, I think, 26 at okay. the time. Okay. I, I'd spent some, some significant time in the minor leagues. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was very cool. And you go out and call your family and, hey, the dream you've always you know, wanted. It, it absolutely was an awesome feeling. But then I showed up in Cincinnati the next day. The next day? Oh, yeah, immediately. That's how baseball works. It's Where like, were you living? Where was the minor league team? New Orleans. So you got on New a plane. Orleans, on a plane to Cincinnati. Packed, you packed what you had. That night after the game, yeah. 
Yeah, it's that way. I don't think people realize that. It's that way if it's a good call. That's an easy call. Like, man, I'm on, I'm walking on cloud. I'm on cloud nine. I'm packing, getting what I need and going. But it's that way if it, you're traded or it's that way if you're released. It's yeah. like, hey, you're gone like right then. So um, At this point, you'd probably play baseball for 20 years. Yes, I had. I had, yes. And um, I had actually spent, I think it was seven or eight years in the minor leagues before that call up. So not that everybody doesn't appreciate their call up, but, um, man, it, it, it was a – after spending a lot of time building to it and being released by a few teams and having some adversity, it was a great, it was a great feeling. I mean, no, no doubt about it. Showed up in Cincinnati and you got the Bagwells and Biggios and Berkmans and the big dogs, you know, and my jersey's next to them. It was like, wow, incredible. So a lot of great memories. But I think pretty immediately, well, I kind of just floated around for a couple of weeks and then started realizing, you know, just – what's next hmm. you know oh maybe it's got to get a big contract i gotta and, and again I, you probably relate to this but it's so like, it wasn't instant fulfillment it wasn't it wasn't uh and well it was immediately and then it dissipated pretty fast sure like, okay i get it now i gotta stay you get <laughs> now it. i gotta yeah. stay now i gotta perform now, now you I, have to succeed right exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and so and i think part of it too is being a huge baseball fan as a kid i mean i'm a huge fan there's ball players that you go home, they don't want to watch a game. Come mm. on, man, we're going to watch a mm. game. We just did this all day. You know, like, mm. I don't want to do this. And um, I'm just a big fan. So I got a little starstruck by a lot of the guys around me, guys who are now in the batter's box type deal. What year was this? 2002. Okay. Yeah, 2002. Yeah. So I see, I grew up. For some reason, I don't know, I grew up in Dallas, but I had Eric Davis posters on my wall. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati yeah. Reds. I, and, He's you know, that was stunt. in the 80s, but I, I don't remember why. Yeah. But I just loved the Reds. I loved them too, man. Number 44. Yeah. Held his hands real low yeah. when he hit. Yeah. yeah. Eric Day was a stud. Um, yeah. So that I don't think he was there, but like Barry Larkin uh, was a big staple mm. for, for Cincinnati at the time and that kind of stuff. So it, it was neat. But um, gosh, I'll tell you, it's, it's hard bouncing around in my story. But what was a common, yeah. common theme beginning in high school for me was knowing what I wanted to do. But then really fighting the demons of, of uh, you know, alcohol and, and women and being a tough guy. Mm. And whatever I thought would fill that God-shaped hole that didn't. Nor mm. did baseball, nor did World Series ring, nor did anything else. And so it took, kind of like you said, that, um, that rock bottom, that adversity. And for me, that was a little more hardcore than a lot of people. Um, you know, I, you read the book of Jonah, and it's like Jonah was a knucklehead. And he needed three days in the, the, the belly of a whale. Mm. Uh, not me. I needed three and a half years in prison. <laughs> it was like, not three so, days. How did that happen? Three and a half years. Man, I went out with the guys. I, um, I, had become, I, I was sober for five years. I went to celebrate recovery. was sober for five years. Dad was a recovering alcoholic. I just knew. It was pretty obvious. I'm a pretty all-in or all-out guy. Right. With everything I do. Yep. You saw that at the gym, right? And so... It became pretty obvious I wasn't the guy that could just have a couple drinks and be okay. Yeah. No judgment to whoever can. That's awesome. But I wasn't a good social drinker. I was all out, Frank the Tank, every time. Mm -hmm. So um, I had learned that the hard way a few times. And so, you know, I had become a Christian in my life in 1998. Grew up with a mom that was just an angel. I mean, she's pastoral care leader for Saddleback Church, Rick Warren in California, and had just on a dime. I thought about what you said about being a guy who can listen with empathy. And, and I was thinking in my head when you're saying, like, I don't know why that is. And people do tend to open up and listen. But I, I just, it's pretty easy now I think about it. My mom, that's what she does and has mm. always done, not for a living, but just in life. If people are in trouble or someone passes away or something happens that's really hard, they call her in, you know, mm -hmm. and so I'm like, huh, okay, well, maybe there's some of that there. And so, you know, faith was in my life, but my dad was not a man of faith at the time. He was a, a tough dude. He was a drinker and a fighter and, a, you know, everything else that comes along with that stereotypical image. And I wanted to be more like him, honestly, at the time. And so, you know, went through and fought a lot of that well, stuff. As a boy, mm -hmm. it almost didn't matter what your dad did. As a boy, you just want to be that because he's right. a man. 100%. And you're not. 100%. So that, that, and that's such an important piece of fatherhood. Yes. That yes. whatever you're going to do, you're going to influence. Yes. It's your choice. Yes. And to that point, 
my dad went to celebrate recovery, uh, became a born again Christian, and I watched the change in his life. And that was mm. a huge thing for me because, again, my mom was awesome. I mean, she was faithful all the time. We didn't know any better. I mean, that was her. But when my dad's life changed as a father, I looked at that. And for the fathers out there, it's like, oh, there's something to this. She's just always been that way. And, yeah, and yeah. he just changed when he gave his life away. What's going on? What's different? Yeah, you know? And yeah. so, so that really did, did pique my interest. And so um, I did. I became um, a Christian in 1998, but I didn't have that surrendered lifestyle. Yep. Right? It yep. was kind of a white knuckle I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to do what Christians are supposed you to do. You profess the faith, but you didn't possess it. That's good. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so I actually ended up um, having a separation from my first wife. I was in spring training 2004 with the Padres, kind of my first real adverse situation. Like, what is my faith made of? And it was pretty surface level because the enemy took that opportunity to go, hey, man, you're on your own now. You're you're a little more mature now. You can mm. handle this drinking thing. You can, Come on, man. And uh, I just kind of fell back into that lifestyle and, and pretty fast. Once I opened that door, right back in. And, uh, you know, the nightlife and the going out and all that comes with all that, that junk that we won't glorify. But, um, yeah, so I, I was on a slippery slope from that point. And, and, and to your question of how did that happen, three and a half years in the, in the belly of uh, not the whale, but, uh, but prison, which is – probably much like it. Right. Um, I went out with the guys one night, kind of a, I'm, I'm just going to kind of make a few um, justifications here. And this is one night of my life. What's the big deal, right? Mm. Um, and I went out and I partied and hung out with the guys and, and ended up just making a really bonehead decision. And um, it was I was in a blackout, no excuse, but I just, I made a poor choice. And, and, and that choice was based on um, a lot of how I was living and thought it would be okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I PG it. Sometimes I don't. I don't know what you want me to do in here. I, everyone right now that's listening is, okay. is thinking, <laughs> what right. is the uh, yeah. what? And I don't this? mind that. It's wide open. Yeah. I go speak. Yeah. I do. But yeah, I mean, I, I'll just be honest with you, but I was um, back in an apartment complex in Frisco, Texas, where I I was playing at the time with the, the Rangers. By this time, I had been in the big leagues. Uh, for those who have seen Bull Durham, the Rangers called me back to be that older guy to kind of be there for their young prospects in double A. So I was the 33 year old in double A and, um, man, I went and there was a, a lady that I had met that lived in that apartment complex. Um, and I, I thought it would be okay to go knock on her door and see if she was having a, uh, they just have a lot of parties at that apartment. And my buddies was three in the morning. They're like, go to bed. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? Go to bed. I couldn't shut it off. It was like, ah, gotta go again. I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna be real straight up and and say, I, I, the door was unlocked. I walked in, and I tried to take off my clothes and get in bed with her. And man, I, most people who hear that are like, what in the world? And then I've had people hear that and go, oh man, I've put myself in some pretty mm. bad spots. And and so yeah, I got burglary rehabilitation because I walked in there without being invited. And with intent to commit sexual assault, um, because while my intentions were not good, you know, it wasn't like you go hold someone down. It's like, we don't know what your intentions were. You weren't invited there. You weren't supposed to be there. And that was choice I made. And so that'll carry, that'll walk with me the rest of my life, that one decision. Um, and that's how I ended up doing three and a half years in prison. And, and Where was the prison? Uh, I was kind of all over Texas. I was all over Texas. I was up in Bonham. Buster Cole unit, um, the bird unit, uh, I finished at the walls in Huntsville. Mm. Um, and just, you know, sharing my story now, I went and spoke to the baseball team in Sam Houston a couple of years ago. Yep. Matt Degg's a good buddy of mine. And he asked me to come speak to his team. And I did. And man, that, that campus where I was talking in that locker room was a stone's throw just about from where I finished my prison sentence and just what God does and where he puts you. Wow. And some of the people I was able to, um, interact with and, and, and talk to and some of the stories. And I'll tell you one of them being within those walls. I mean, when I surrendered, it was day one and it wasn't, I had a five-year sentence. I did three and a half and it wasn't a prayer at this point of get me out of this. That was the case leading up to the trial. It was like, just, right. just yeah. get me out of this. Yep. Come yep. on. I don't want to go to prison. Get me out of this. No. When those bars hit and they sentenced me, it was okay. I surrender. This is where I got myself. What do you got for me? I mean, what is it? And it's almost like prison ministry started day one. So it was survival, 
but it was open your eyes and see what's around you. And the one story I was going to share with you is, um, there's multiples, but this one stands out to me is I, I had a celly, you know, eight by 10 cell walked in and it's pretty customary. You don't ask what people are there for, how long they're there. You just kind of mind your business, you know, and I walked in and he was on the top bunk and it was summertime. We were just talking about how hot the Texas summers are to been, right? Yeah. No AC in these metal buildings in prison. I mean, it is rough, man. And uh, so he's sitting up there in his boxers and I said, hey, how's it going, man? What are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just trying to give some of this time back to the, to the state. And I said, oh, he mentioned this. I said, oh, you got a lot of time? Yeah, three life sentences. And I'm like, well, you can you can pretty much guess what had happened yep. when someone's doing three life. And now you're in an eight by ten with this guy. Yep. All right, here we go, right? So um, I held my cards pretty close at first, but we started talking and opening up. And his nickname was Bone. And I'm mm. sitting here with Bone talking about how he viciously he did he, he killed three people and um and uh as we got through some things all i had was my little pocket bible with me i was in transit so i just had a little pocket bible and i'm just just like you said man i was just listening you know, i was just i'd read and he'd ask a couple questions you know whatever and man i spent about 10 days 23 hour lockdown in there with bone and, and um he he shared with me granger that um the day before i came in that cell he had hung his sheets up because he was going to hang himself because he had no hope and he said, man, you came in, you gave me some hope. And I'm like, God, where could I ever, where would I have that opportunity, man? And, and, and so just having a heart for people I didn't always have. I was very selfish and wrapped up in my career and yeah. getting better, getting the next level. But, yeah, that's how my rock bottom happened. And, and then, fortunately, I wasn't given up on and I was able to use that story for some good. Do you ever hear about where Bone is now? I've looked him up. Uh, I, won't, I won't use his real name. I've looked him up. He's still obviously there. And, um, and um, you know, a couple I guess funny tidbits when we were hanging out, you know, he'd say, Puff, I'm not a violent man, you know, and I'm like, Bone, you got rage tattooed on your stomach <laughs> and the Grim Reaper. Like, and that's true. He did. <laughs> he's like, oh, man. he's like, uh, yeah, but so he's still doing, you know, doing his time and, and he, he will be for, for, for forever. But yeah, it was, it's just one example of kind of the stuff that goes on that right now you and I sit here and we don't even probably think about what guys are going through behind those walls right now so yeah that was that was Do you miss baseball um at the time it took me a while it, mm. it took me a while because baseball was everything i didn't know who i was outside of a yep. baseball player i had no idea yeah and so i kind of really put it to the back of my mind and and some guys would find out that i played and they'd want to talk about it a little bit and that was fine um but uh, TVs are a big problem in prison, you know, a lot of fights. Lot, so it wasn't like I was going to go in and watch it. You know, just I didn't think about it for a while. And then um, actually, you know, much at all. And, and I didn't follow it. And I didn't. Um, and then when I was getting ready to get out, um, Reed Ryan for the Round Rock Express, um, just one of those guys, you know, you find out who your, who your friends are. Right. Right. And, and I had several of them, several really good friends. And then some, you know, you just. You, three and a half years the world just keeps going man it just passes by and you can't blame anyone for that and uh he was very faithful in keeping up with me and offered me a job in round rock at the dell diamond as a as a a maintenance guy maintenance i'm doing air quotes because i can't fix a thing but it was like man if i got a paint or stain or and that's what i did and pressure wash and i did and as i got back there and was at the stadium and occasionally the guys would be there it was like oh man that's when I really was like, this is in me. Like this, I miss this. And I'm like, God, I don't know what you have, but man, I miss baseball. And so I started doing a couple private lessons here and there. They'd pop up. And then I actually became kind of a baseball outreach coordinator for them. And then I branched off and started a youth and high school program. And baseball is 24 hours again for me. It's just in Trent. It's just every, you know, and so. So is Round Rock Express what got you to Central Texas? Originally in 2001, I played for the Express. Okay. Okay. Backing up, 2001, came, played in Round Rock, fell in love with the area, um, was living in California. Obviously, the cost of living, the whole deal. I had two little boys, and we moved here after that season. And so, um, been here ever since in Central Texas. But yeah, that is, the Express what got me here, and um, love it. I mean, couldn't, <laughs> wish it would happen sooner, but yeah, 2001, I came out here. And yeah. so, and yeah, just like I said, you know, the Ryan family, and just uh, the, the, being a baseball family and just the way I played a lot of minor league towns, man. And like you, you, you go to a town, you go out, Hey, nice town, whatever. Yeah. I'm not looking to live there, but 
it was different here. And it was because of the family atmosphere and the way they 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 treated the team and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty neat. I'm sure all of your minor league towns are represented on this podcast. Mm, yeah. And uh, I'm sure they have, we have a lot of fans of all the, the teams that you played for in the yeah. majors as well. Yeah. So what, what are some of the teams? You mentioned Cincinnati. You mentioned the Rangers, Padres. That I played for? Yeah, that you played um, for. Sure, yeah. Um, it, the only teams I've made it up with were the, the Astros, like we said, the Red Sox, the Giants, and the Padres. I got you. But, man, the minor league towns. I mean, I, I couldn't name them all. I mean, 15 yeah. years of it. That just is insane. Clinton, man. Iowa, to Boise, Idaho, to, I mean, all over the place. I wish I could name them all because it's really cool to just go in and see kind of the different, just the different things about each minor league town and stadium. And it was really neat. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. How did you imprison, how did you satisfy that rush that you got on the mound that your whole life you built mm-hmm. up to that? moment ball in the glove mm-hmm. there's a stadium yeah. looking at you right right to make this next move nothing happens and not you don't even count the stadium you could also count tv right all the people right. watching the announcers that the the other managers the other teams the other dugouts right everything happens when you make it happen when you take the ball out of your glove how do you reconcile that mm. from going from that to a eight eight by ten cell with bone. Yeah, you know, you really couldn't. You really couldn't. But that was a part. Or is that of not it. even a thing for you? It is a thing. It is a thing. There is that moment, and there is that rush, and 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 there is all that that comes there. And, and really, once that in, it was like, how will I ever get that back? Right. Yeah. Um. And in prison, what what I think needed to happen was that needed to be taken away from me because that allowed me mm. to just focus on that. And then I'd finish an outing. If it was good, okay, good. I'm going to the next one. How do I work in between? If it was bad, beat yourself up. I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. All about me, 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 my career, my career. And yeah. in there, I didn't have that. You know, I worked out a lot. If I couldn't get out of cell, a lot of push-ups, a lot of, you know, that kind of stuff to just keep my my physical and my mind just kind of. But it was, it was at times when we locked down, all I had was the Bible. Just read. Or just books. Just read, read, read. I read book, you know, a couple books a day. Um, and that's not going to provide or reconcile what, what you talked about. But I think in order to be fo- – like, to this day right now, I will tell you that the coaching and giving back to these kids and watching young men go play at a college or being a, you know, a liaison for them through schools gives me that. Yeah. I didn't know it. Going on the weekend, going to war with these guys, coaching, gives me what I had when I was pitching. But I needed the three and a half years of not getting that to focus on where I needed to be. And to this day, having that back with the kids and the program and the busyness, I'll never be, I say never, I, by choice, you can choose to do anything you want to do, but I will never have or put in that time that I did during that time where it was just, it was nothing but books and improving myself and wow. in the word and the spirituality and, and just... It, it, it was a time like no other. So without prison, you aren't the man you are today. No chance. That's crazy, right? 100%. Yeah. You take out arguably the, I mean, it's got to be the biggest adversity that yeah. you've ever faced. Yeah. Take that out and your life is not the same. Not good. No, no way. It's it's self-absorbed. It's. Um, I was on my way to being a coach in pro ball. I was probably going to coach for the Rangers, excuse me, once that that little stint of doing the Bull Durham thing was done. Hmm. But, yeah, it was just my, my own thing. Yeah, no way. It's, it's not just you. It's Mm-mm. anyone could look at their life and go, the, the biggest piece of adversity I face, take that out, and I'm not the same. I'm not better. I'm not at my, my full potential without it. It's I crazy. Think so. I think it's, it's 100% it's right. Going back to working out, same thing. Yeah. Your muscles don't grow unless you break them down. Right. And the harder you break them down, the better and more reliable they're going to grow. Yeah, there's got to be some pain, some soreness. Yeah. Some, you're absolutely right. It's a great analogy, and we, and we use it with the young men that we coach. And it's, it's exactly right. Until you break it down, um, you know, it's easy to just go through life. And I'll use a baseball analogy. You just, you're just kicking teams' butt. You're winning. Yeah. You're the best. You're. It really is easy. Everyone gets along. It's happy. And then all of a sudden, you get your back against the wall, and you, and you start. You take one in the mouth, and you, you you get hit in the mouth. And mm. It's like, P 
people start who turns on who what, what are we really about now right and so yeah i agree i think there's no doubt do we want to go through it no we don't and, and part of my story other people were hurt that's the part that hurts um it wasn't just about again not just about me yeah um there's a victim involved there's families that were hurt there yeah. you know what i mean so it's hard to say i'm glad i went through that but the prison part and the the walking that out and where God had to get a hold of me, I'm glad I went through that part. And you know what Wish else? I didn't hurt anybody else. I, I'm sure. And what else is is easy is you going to prison and going, ah, I'm such a loser. Mm. I guess this is it. Yeah, yeah. I'll just be a loser the rest of my life. I knew I, knew I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Yeah. I tried so hard and, and I achieved this success, but I deep down I knew it never would. Ah, this is who I really am, just a loser. Mm -hmm. You could easily do that too yeah. and miss the opportunity of what was going to build you bigger and better than you ever were. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? Those thoughts like that come. They, yeah. they come. I'm sure they did. You know, they come. Three and a half years, yeah. long nights. I'm sure they did. Absolutely. You got to really fight those thoughts. And, and I think the only way I found to keep negative thoughts from festering and, and coming in is just by by adding positive thoughts, removing mm -hmm. those, putting positive thoughts. I read a book called um, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And it was a lot about that. It was about your mind's like a garden. Like you can't stop thinking. You can't keep your garden from growing. But if you don't fertilize and seed and put the right stuff in, it's going to be weeds. It's going to be thoughts you don't want. So good, man. And that thing hit me hard, man. So good. Yeah. Let's take a break. Come right back. Awesome. This podcast is brought to you free of charge by Features. One of my favorite sponsors for the podcast, Features. Have you ever thought about this? As much as you research and invest in everything that you use in your life, for your work and for your play and for leisure, for your sports, for your working out. How much have you thought about your socks? Probably not very much. If you're anything like me, then you just get the simplest socks you could find because they're in bulk and you buy them and they fit. That's where Features comes in. And that's where I learned through this podcast about this company. We put our feet to, to work in so many different ways and Features has engineered their socks based on different levels of support and performance your feet need for different kinds of activities. And all of them are made to prevent slipping, bunching, and blisters from a casual stroll to high performance. They got your feet covered. So I'm wearing mine right now. I always wear mine. They fit. The heel fits perfectly around. It's like, it's like tiny shoes under your shoes, and they feel amazing. They have custom fit, durability. You have a peace of mind knowing that they're not going to bunch up no matter what boots or tennis shoes or whatever you're wearing. Uh, the cushion provides a lighter, cooler feel. It has a classic crew length and a variety of designs to make a statement on the go. They have an elite golf sock uh, with maximum cushion and blister protection for long games of golf. And with a premium material, these things are awesome. Targeted compression where your feet need it most for better comfort and support, plus prevention of bunching, slipping, and sliding down into your shoe, which is amazing. It has an anatomical design that comforts excuse me, it conforms perfectly to the left and right. Each foot is different. It conforms to each one with a custom fit. That's the perfect toe, no irritating seam that rubs against your toes, and premium materials, which I said, and it ensures that every step you take is cool, dry, and comfortable. What's awesome about this company is they offer a lifetime guarantee. Anytime a company says that, I take them seriously because if anything happens in the lifetime of you owning the sock, you send them back, they refund or send you a new pair, guaranteed, no questions asked. They're going to guarantee that, telling you that these are probably the best socks you've ever worn. Otherwise, send them back. Features is so confident you'll love their socks that they're offering $10 off your first pair of Features when you go to features.com slash Granger. If these aren't the best socks you've ever worn on or off the golf course or whatever you're doing, just take them back. They will, they will refund you. That's Features, F-E-E-T-U-R. ES.com slash Granger for $10 off your first pair of features. Podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Greens, a company that I've been seeing more and more in all the things that I'm doing. I have taken Athletic Greens for probably three months now. As long as I've been talking about it on this podcast, it fits perfectly into my lifestyle. Let me tell you what it is. It's a little packet 
comes in a box for me. You can also get a, a like a cylinder can with a scoop, and it's a green powder that is all the amazing things that you need that your body needs green wise and it chops them all up into this awesome little powder and i use these packets these individual packets and what i do personally is i put them in my morning shakes i make these shakes in the blender with protein every morning i've been doing that for 10 15 years probably i started adding athletic greens to it some people can put it straight into water and it tastes fine i've done that it tastes legit just doing that alone so it makes me feel better it gives me natural energy it gives me peace of mind knowing my body's getting what it needs and this is this is the best endorsement i can give for a product because this is really good for you one tasty scoop of athletic greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aids with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take all these crazy pills and multiple products that you could buy anywhere else. It's lifestyle friendly. So whatever your current lifestyle diet is, Athletic Greens is going to fit with all of them. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter and spring months. And they're offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you go to my link today. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health every single day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and join health experts, athletes, health conscious go-getters, and me, a measly country singer, and we all make this daily commitment together for a better, healthy lifestyle. Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. You guys are going to love this product. All right, so if anybody ever wants a question answered on this podcast, you email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Nothing is off limits, and I'm going to prove that by this next question. Do <laughs> you want to get into these? Come on. You sure? Let's go, buddy. I'm going to start you out on, a, on a, a lighter note. It says, Granger, you've been answering a lot of deep questions lately, so I thought I'd send you this little fun one. I've watched you eat a ton of tamales and tacos before a show. What happens if you're on stage and you really need to go poo? I've always wondered about this, Heather from Kentucky. Shout out to Kentucky. Thank you, Heather. And I'm going to shoot this straight over Brandon because I think I could. this has to be a thing in baseball too. I mean, what if you're on the mound? Yeah. Does that ever happen? Yes or no? If you're in the bullpen <laughs> waiting your turn to uh-huh. pitch, mm-hmm. yes. And I was a big routine guy in right. my career, Granger. Like, yeah. if if you move my chair an inch, I knew it. If it was the fourth inning, I would disappear to the clubhouse and come back. And one time, our pitching coach, Mike Maddox, who's now a big-time big league pitching coach, called me and goes, hey, how was that fourth inning poop? And I'm like, how do you know where I was? Goes, Every fourth <laughs> inning, you disappear. So I tried to alleviate that before getting out on the mound. I don't remember ever having to uh, to make that emergency timeout and run to the dugout. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. What about you? Um, I've never had it on stage. I think there's something about adrenaline yes. that will just suppress it. Yes. But I've had those moments where it's like an hour before the show, and it's it's like, man, I got to go. And it on a normal night with a normal venue, and there's a there's a nice bathroom right there on the in the green room, great. Yeah. But... There's a handful. It seems like it always happens on these kind of nights when it's, say, it's like a festival, like a county fair. Yeah. We can't go on the bus. That's just the thing. Can't go on the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a county fair and there's a porta potty right outside my bus, and the door is facing the crowd, and they're all out there waiting. Mm, man. So I'm thinking, I got to go out there, open the door, wave to some people, hey. go in for a while, <laughs> yeah. come back out, wave. I can't do it. I'm mentally, I can't do that. Wow. Do, so, you, do you want the most incredible 
<laughs> prison bus poop story? Yes. Does yes. this podcast fit for prison it? bus poop? Yeah. Let's so go. you said you don't poop on the bus. Yeah. Standard, standard procedure. Yeah, standard procedure. Minor league bus, don't you dare. Yeah. Don't do it. We're all going to be on this bus, right? Yeah, yeah. So just imagine a bunch of hardened inmates on a prison bus cuffed together. You better believe you don't poop on that bus. Yeah. When I was doing my time, I had to go to a medical appointment in Galveston because my stomach was messed up. Mm -hmm. So I had to get a colonoscopy. Those are fun no matter where you get them. But in prison, they're really fun, right? Yeah. So I had to do all the prep. I had to do all the prep. Went in, had my procedure, back on the bus. We're rolling. The prep hit me. I'm on this mm-hmm. bus. And I'm looking around. And I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go poop. And there's this just really nasty toilet in the middle of everybody, which isn't abnormal in prison. You get used to Yeah. You're not getting privacy, right? But not on the bus. And the guy next to me looks at me. He's like, well, you, I go, no, you don't understand. Like, it's not going to wait. This prep for the colonoscopy, it's not waiting. Yeah. I got up. Sorry, dudes. I mean, immediately the grumblings of, oh, my, no way. <laughs> I just I had no, talk about embarrassing, man. I'm like, I can't, there's no other option. The other option is really bad because it's happening. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that was one of my stories I occasionally share. Heather had no idea. Heather from Kentucky had no yeah. idea this was going there. Yeah, if, right. if I'm in that county fair situation, I will do. There's only one thing I'll do. I'll put on a hood, and I'll walk two miles till the nearest gas station. Wow! I'll walk three miles to the nearest gas station. But when there's a porta potty five feet away, I won't use it if yeah. that door is facing the yeah. crowd. It's just I, mentally, I can't take it. So That's I'll a tough I, one. I'll hike three miles Man. to the gas station and grab an energy drink on the way back. Yeah, I just had to go get a drink. I love it, man. All right, let's see. We have... Let's do... Let's do stepdad... Stepdaughter struggles. That's, mm. the, that's the subject line here. It says, mm. Hey, Granger, my name is Matt. I'm from a small town in Missouri. My wife and I have seen you in concert numerous times and love you and the family. Thank you, Matt. He says, I have two stepchildren... Mm. whom I love as, as my own. Mm. I would absolutely do anything to see them smile. But my 12-year-old stepdaughter and I struggle to build a strong relationship. Her only vision of a dad is an alcoholic drug addict that beats her and her family. Mm. My son and I have a powerful connection. I always feel like I'm not good enough or that I'm doing everything wrong. Mm. Please, I need help because this drives me insane and it's hard to be all I could be. And only feel subpar. Wow. So, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Matthew. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Missouri. Mm-hmm. Great question. Probably pretty common question. A lot of well, people dealing with uh, blended families like this. I, I don't know if this is a question you purposely brought up because I'm on here. No. I, but I, I saw a stepdaughter struggles. And... Wow. So, Matt, I, I have two, I call them bonus daughters. Two stepdaughters. When I got mm. out, so I didn't even know that. I got. Well, wow. I knew you have your daughter. Yeah. So I have two two biological or, daughters. Yeah. And a biological son. Yeah. My wife and I got married. Um, two bonus daughters. Mm. I could not empathize more with Matt mm. because one of them absolutely one hundred percent accepted me as their dad, and they treat them like my own. They are my own. Mm. Uh, um. Was raising them day in and day out, um, and the struggles were real. They had a similar; um, they, they've seen a similar um, father figure in their mm-hmm. life, the biological father. And um, man, I'll tell you what: one of them, we just connected, not right off. There was a struggle mm-hmm. at first because my my wife is a single mom for ten years, so it was like, wait a minute, who are we sharing with? Yeah. But once we worked through all that, I mean, there. There couldn't be any more I love yous and and you're you're my dad and you're the best and you're and then the other one incredible relationship. But I feel and maybe Matt feels this way that that she feels if she says I love you to me, if she opens up all the way to me, she's she's doing something wrong towards her her, mm. her dad. Yeah, um, yep. that's the best way I've been able yeah. to look at it because I've struggled, it. I fought through it, I've tried everything, and then eventually what I did 
is I just let it go. I just said, you know, I'm going to love them the best way I can love them. They do love me. If she won't say it or she will or she won't, she 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 does. They do. Yeah. And they love Matt. And, and they, man, being a stepfather, Granger, is hard, man. It's hard. But it is so rewarding. Because to step in and take that role um, is not an easy thing to do. And then to, to feel like it's not being accepted or appreciated hurts the, the man ego. Hurts mm. the pride. Like, yeah. look what I'm doing for you. You know what I mean? And. And I just had to kind of get out of my – and I still struggle. I yeah. still struggle, man. But I I mean I couldn't relate more to a question <laughs> because it's the exact wow. scenario. And my best advice, not that I'm some kind of pro, but is just keep loving them the mm. best way you can. And they're going to see it. And, and, and they're going to appreciate it. And his it. wife, right? Oh, and his wife. She, Yeah, she's going to see it. I just think it's one of those things that in the trenches gets tough. But looking back – if you just stay consistent and stay loving and stay and doing exactly what he's doing. Well, she's 12. Does that matter? That's the exact age of um, Haley, who was my younger stepdaughter when we met. Mm. Exact age. Mm. And Ashley was 14. So pivotal years, right? Pivotal, pivotal years. And you step in and all that little girls are going through. And you're there as a man. And they will see it and they will appreciate it. They will. But it'll be a struggle. So I think what Brandon, also what he's saying, Matt, is that you feeling subpar and this driving you insane, and that's in your head Hmm. because what she's given you, this 12-year-old girl, what she's given you isn't necessarily what's in her heart. She's putting up a front. Um, And she's feeling this guilt of... Sharing her love with another dad's not biological. Mm-hmm. And with that, she's going she's gonna to give you resistance. We've all seen girls. They're great at giving resistance. That's yeah. just they're like naturally born to do that. Yeah. And it's a good thing yeah. for the most part. That's why I'm, that's, you know, my little girl, she is, when she wants something, she's strong about it, man. You just could not break that. Right. So it's not on you. If, if you're fulfilling your job, it's not on you. Right. So you give, you give her that love. You give your son, your stepson that love. Mm. And most importantly, above those, you give your wife Mm. that love and watch that trickle down. And one day, it might not be tomorrow. It might not even be for 10 years. She Mm -hmm. might be 22 years old before she has a breakthrough and goes, you know what, Matt, or whatever she calls you, thank you so much for for treating mom the way you did, for loving us, for giving us a, Mm -hmm. a home providing for us when you didn't have to. Yeah. It's like that old Brad Paisley song, the man he didn't have to be. Yeah. And you, it's a, it, this is a war of attrition with her. You know, you're, you're there's no way you're going to convince her tomorrow. or You're going to bring home flowers or candy and all of a sudden convince her that, Oh yeah, I love, I love you, Matt. I love you. This is a war of attrition. You're going to look at this as 20 years of, consistency and that's going to matter to her amber you know my wife um she has had a stepdad that in so many ways uh, has done everything right he's provided for them he's loved them and he didn't just step into her life and her just go oh automatic love like mom right right, right. mom's got something different right you know right there's more to it the the kids it's it takes you have to earn that and you're doing it right yeah and another thought on that, Granger, and I'm, I'm thinking this in my own life, is because of what you explained and what's been shown to them and modeled to them as a father, there's been some hurt there. Yeah. And now think about how scary that is mm. to get vulnerable and go, Totally, man. All right, I'm open. I'm giving it to you. Totally. Are you going to hurt me? Are you going to break my heart? Are you, right? you going to go to drugs yeah. and alcohol? Yeah, it's like, man. Yeah. So there's probably a lot in there that I can't even imagine what, what these, these kiddos are going through. In my life as well, to where as much as they might want to give it all and be vulnerable, it's t- it's tough, dude. Just keep loving them, man. I say this too, Matt. The, what's obvious about this that Brandon knows too is the difference between uh, the boy and the girl. Girls are just smarter at this age. Yeah, they're just more perceptive. Yeah, they're digging yeah. way deeper. The guy's like, 
Oh, he throws baseball with me. <laughs> yeah. He takes me to get pizza. He's so cool. Yeah, it's easy. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, he taught me how to shoot a deer rifle. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, a girl is going to take years because yeah. they are just natural. Those creatures are just naturally more perceptive and let's face it, they're just smarter. They're just smarter. especially at twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dude, great question, Matt. It's awesome. Let's go to. Let's see what this one says. It says, hey, I'm Clayton Dottie. I'm from Newport, Oregon. I've been struggling with close friends and people using me for my kindness and leaving me. And it's made me struggle a little bit because some of those were my closest friends ever. They were brothers and sisters to me. And they left. And like I said, it hurt and affected me a lot. I've been trying for a long time now to overcome and learn how to be happy on my own. So I was curious, how do you get over that and not to think about it and let it affect you? So he says he's been struggling with his close friends and people using him for his kindness and leaving him. And it's made him struggle a little because uh, they were close to him. Hmm. I think there's something more to this. Clayton, first of all, shout out to Oregon. Thank you for writing in. Um, I think you're answering your own question by saying, You're trying to overcome and be happy on your own, which is like step one. These people are not going to provide your happiness for you, no matter who they are. I personally feel like they were the wrong friends to begin with, or the wrong crowd, right? Right, right. yeah. Um, uh, don't, ever, don't ever look at it as... Your kindness drove anybody away. That's just not, that's not going to, the right person is not ever going to be driven away by kindness. Um, hey, I think, I think Clayton is filtering out some new friends, some friends that uh, he's going to open himself up to draw the, the right people in. I think so too. And I think, I think, man, it just, Granger, it comes down to expectations, right? Mm. Um what are your expectations of these people? You expected more, right? You expected them to reciprocate the so kindness. Good. And man, Clayton, I hate to say this, and we're all learning this. It's like people are just going to let you down. Mm. <laughs> people are, are people, and they 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 know how to hurt, and they can, they're selfish by nature. And so I think I, I hate to say lower your expectations. No, you, ha- you should have high expectations for good friends. But if your expectations of these folks were one thing and, and, and you're receiving another, then like Granger said, they're probably not the ones that are going to stick with you through thick and thin, and yeah. you're finding that out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Clayton, um, maybe you're smothering a little bit too. Maybe that's part of this. Maybe it, it, to switch the word kindness, maybe you're smothering a little bit. Maybe you're too much sometimes. And that goes back to you saying, I need to be happy on my own. So, um, you know what? Sometimes go into a new gym. You just did this. Go mm-hmm. to a new gym, and it opens yourself up to new people. And it doesn't have to be a gym. It could be any kind of hobby or it could even be a grocery store. You switch grocery stores, there's, a, there's new people, new faces. Yeah. And um, I think it's a positive thing, Clayton. I think you're opening yourself up to a new chapter. Um, Man, Brandon said it right. People are going to let you down if you expect if you expect them to fulfill you and, and create your happiness inside. They're going to let you down every time. So will parents. So will yeah. step parents. Yeah. So will step daughters. You, we're all human. So yeah, it's a good question, dude. Thank yeah. you for writing. Thank you for the transparency. Right. Yeah. The honesty. That's really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to. I want to go to this questions from an expecting dad. That's the subject. It says, Hey, Granger, my name is Cameron. I'm from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Shout out to Wisconsin. 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 I've been listening to your music for a very long time. My wife and I started watching The Smiths, and I appreciate you, buddy. It says, um, You and Amber have a very contagious, positive outlook. I got married in October. First baby is due in July. Hopefully July 4th because America. <laughs> we we close on a house in a couple of weeks. We've decided my wife is going to be a stay-at-home mom. 
you and Matt Demo are good father role models that I want to strive to be. What advice would you give to a new dad? Also, I want to talk about um, your positive attitudes. I used to be a 100% glass half full kind of guy, but over the last year, I've really been struggling to stay positive. How do you stay in such a positive mood? And that's the part of the question I saw and thought, this is a puffer question. Oh. Because we could talk about um, what to expect as a new dad, but I've said this kind of thing a lot on this podcast, and I think um, being a new dad, be present, be engaged. um, don't, Don't start looking past each little baby stage because God gives you the exact amount of time you need before that baby grows and you learn with the kid, you know, so you don't have to start thinking about how are you going to baby proof the house when they're an infant? You just worry about bottle feeding you don't have to, when they're a toddler, you don't have to start worrying about them dating. You're going to have enough time to learn that stuff. So don't, don't worry, just soak in. You're hardwired to know how to do this. So just soak it in, be present. Congratulations on uh, closing on the house. But what I want to talk about is the, um, the glass half full that you used to be. And now you're struggling to stay positive. What do you think, Brandon? You, everyone that meets Brandon Puffer walks away and goes, that is a positive dude. If, it, if there was any adjective to describe you, positive. Wow. Thank you, man. That's a lot of pressure. And you kind of explained a little bit of that. Yeah. You know, the first, Grant, you mentioned earlier when we first met, um, we were at the same gym, um, head nod, it's happening, what's going on, buddy? See, you see the same people, right? And I remember... The first thing you came up and said to me, you said, I don't. <laughs> I do. I remember, I have a weird memory, man, like an elephant. And you were like, Brandon, dude, all right, what are you selling? Because I'm buying it. What is it? And I said, what? What do you mean? Yeah, like, yeah well, you're always so positive. You're always smiling. You're always, yeah, yeah. And that's when I was like, yeah, yeah I thought you were a fireman and whatever. But I, the only way to explain it for me, and I think I explained it to you this way, however many, several years ago when we first met was just where my hope comes from and my faith, like, and it, and it's not only that, well, it, it is only that. I mean, that's the biggest right. piece. I get you. But also on top of that is just kind of perception, right? Like gratitude, gratitude. What yep. am I focused on? Yep. Am I focused on, Hey, and let's be honest in the last year, it's been tough, right? I mean, it, it has been yes. tough. But what are we focused on? Am I going to wake up every day and focus on the negativity and what's going on? And I choose not to do that. And it's a choice. I mean, I choose to go, hey, I've got these things to be grateful for. Man, I've got a wife and a son and four daughters and a baseball program, young men that I get to interact with and, and, and hopefully positively impact. And those are the things that keep me going. Now, am I always positive behind closed doors? Of course not, man. The guys who know, the ones who know me best, my wife, my kiddos, another another country reference, right? They they usually get what's left of me, yeah, not the best of me, right? Yeah. And um and that's hard. But at the end of the day, the positivity that that um you know I, I try to to give out is just simply a choice every day. Like, mm-hmm. hey, God, what do you have for me today? What am I focused on? Because I promise if I was to sit and look at all the negativity and and dwell on a lot of things going on, I, I think that would show up in my attitude. Yep. And um and it, it's a, it's it's not always positive, man. But um but that is what helps me to to be a glass half full guy and and have just good people around me who I surround myself with is huge. Dude, that's so good. Cameron, in February in Texas we had this crazy ice storm. And it basically shut down most of the entire state from whatever anyone was doing, their schedule was changed. Sure. You weren't going to your normal work. You're mm-hmm. doing, you were surviving. Well, we were, we were on these, these, these power on and off rolling, black, roll, rolling black. Were you on that? We had just moved. We decided to move at the front end yeah. of the ice storm, which was not very comfortable moving. But then, for whatever reason, where we were in our new place, we just never lost anything. We were really Dude, blessed. That's man. awesome. And I hate to a lot of it. my band said that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, the example I was going to use is that we were on this this rolling blackout, and they were cycling us, and we were 
taking notes on when the power would go out, we'd say 7 p.m. And then the power would kick on at 9 p.m., we'd go 9 p.m. So we were just trying to keep some kind of schedule to figure out, you know, when could we use the microwave to thaw out some frozen deer meat or, you know, whatever it's going to be. So we would, when we would expect the power to come back on and it wouldn't, we would get devastated. Mm-hmm. And then we would expect it to cut off and it would stay on and we would celebrate. And Brandon said expectations. Well, if you could keep your gratitude a little bit higher than your expectations every time, yeah. you're going to be happy. You're going to be, a, you're going to be a positive guy. Now, What's crazy about my whole story is that we're celebrating power. Right. We're celebrating the lights coming on. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, when's the last time you you turned, you flipped the light switch and you just cheered and hugged <laughs> yeah, and yeah. yelled? That's yeah. ridiculous four months ago. Right. But here we are. Our expectations are super low. We're just trying to stay warm. We don't, we're just trying to figure out what the next meal is. And the lights stay on a little bit longer. The heater stays on a little bit longer. And we're hugging each other because our expectations were low. Therefore, our gratefulness was way higher Mm. just to have power. And then you could relate to this because there was like a Tuesday afternoon or whatever when all of a sudden the sun came out. And it was just beautiful blue sky. Now, it was probably 20 degrees. It felt like 80. Yeah, yeah. Because of what we had been dealing with. I, I forgot I'm talking to a Wisconsin guy here, so this oh, is like, he's like no oh, big yeah, deal. Tough, yeah. This is like no big deal yeah. to Cameron. But but man, when we expected it to be five degrees and it ended up being sunny and twenty, we were celebrating. Now today, mm-hmm. if I walked out and it was twenty, I would be complaining because right. I don't expect that. My whole point is in anything in life, if you keep your gratefulness, it doesn't have to be a lot more, but just a little bit more than your what you expect then you're going to be happy. That's the key to being positive and being a, a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah. So when you got this baby coming, you got this house coming, mm. you're closing on this house in a couple of weeks, yeah. man, what's crazy is you're going to walk in with the key and you're going to put stuff. You're going to be so excited. And in about six months, you're going to be tired of it. Mm-hmm. It wears off so fast. Yeah. So just to continue to cultivate that gratefulness. Like, I don't know where you're living right now, but it's six months from now, be thinking about that. Be going, man, six months ago, we were in that little apartment. We had to go to the third floor. We mm-hmm. had to carry cartons of milk up three floors, and I had to, there was no parking spot. So I had to park 100 yards away to walk. But now I just parked in my own driveway. Don't let that get away from you. Don't right. ever let that driveway go away, no matter how long you're in this house. So it's, it's a mind trick, so much yeah. so. It is, man. And I, I, what it tells me about me and probably us is how much we take for granted mm. is what you're, what, what I'm Dude. hearing. Yes. We just take it for granted, man. Like power. We recently had hot water. We just got AC back in our house yesterday. It hasn't been very warm. So whatever, but it was sure. fun, right. It's so big deal. Wow. And we were celebrating. I came home, my wife stayed for that. And she's like, you hear it? You feel it? And we're like, great example. AC. It's, it's all us. I mean, but it's huge. And, and just to wrap it up, Cameron, I would say literally write out a gratitude list. And what I'm yes. reading in your short email, man, I don't know you, but a new house, a baby, a wife. Yes. you got a lot to be grateful for, man. That glass is more than half full, America. Man. Yeah, mean, America. Come on, baby man. Baby coming July. Dude. Write it out. That is so true, man. Every morning, make this. And, and for anyone that's listening, do, uh, do a little journal. I, I love to journal every morning. And you guys have heard me talk about that. And it's especially fun journaling now because I could look back on 2020 this time and like the sky was falling Mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to go back and go to read my journals from last year and go, didn't even matter. Right. Didn't even matter. Right. Perspective wise, it didn't matter. So do a little journal. But then at the end of that journal, just write down some things you're grateful for. It could be the sun. The sun's out today. It could be got cold AC. It could be you got you're, you're having scrambled eggs for breakfast and you love scrambled. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. It's really this is not about I finally got ten grand in the bank account. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's not that. I mean, it can be, but the, I'm thinking aim lower, aim lower, and you'll be surprised every morning just practicing that, putting on paper, verbalizing it. Man, tell your wife how grateful for you you are for. Her. Brandon walks in this house in his house and. Three months, 
go hug your wife and go, AC. <laughs> She's going to look at you like you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. But that's the perspective. Mm-hmm. Start uh, taking it for dude, granted, man. It's funny because just yesterday, um, I get up early and we still live in a barn, the RV in the barn. So I get up early and read and and I, usually the lights are off and I'm just reading by my little light there by the by my Bible. And Amber goes around to the barn and flicks on the lights to the barn that turned on. And I had that little that little flutter feeling like, power's on. Oh, yeah. And I told it her, came I said, back. power's on. Yeah, yeah. It was like that feeling of, yes, the grid. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah, so funny. That's awesome. Perspective. Absolutely. Dude, that, that's our time, man. Wow. That's time our flies. time. If you want to hear more, Brandon, reply. If you're watching on YouTube, reply, more Brandon. I think people are going to want to see some more of you, man. I don't know, Granger. I, man, fun. I appreciate you having me on. And one thing I wanted to say uh, for me is, I mean, for those who are just kind of fans and are out there and are listening to what you're doing, and I, I'm pretty sure by now they can tell, and especially watching the Smiths, what a genuine dude you are. But, like, man, just having lunch the other day, and you're reading through these emails, and you're receiving emails, and you're reading them. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're no, reading I don't them. give them anybody uh, No, I know you don't. <laughs> but I would think... And I imagine I'm not the only one that would think, I'm going to email Granger Smith, but is it my email Granger Smith or yeah. is whoever? And then, no, man. I mean, it's it's impressive, man. And, and I know I've known you to be a very real guy since I thought you were a fireman, but knowing what you do and, <laughs> and receiving these emails, just how genuine you are and, and what you're doing for your fans is awesome, man. So I appreciate it. It's, it's a blessing to be here, man. Love right back at you, man. Appreciate you, dude. Right on. Thanks, Granger. Come back, all right? Anytime. See you guys. Yee, yee. Yee, yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.